Asia or the Amazon or Africa or wherever. And uh, God is always faithful to his people, always at work. And so it is a privilege for, for me to be here. Sorry that uh, Beth is not able to be here today, but uh, usually we travel together. But seems like spring is a little bit uh, complicated these days. And so we've been traveling quite a lot. And uh, actually, yeah, I've, actually I'm on 46 years pastoring. And so, uh, but, but now I just pastor pastors, which is a little more challenging than pastoring people, you know, it's like, yeah. So I want to pick up today, I'm going to jump right in because uh, I want to highlight a little bit of, of what Pastor Michael talked about last week. And I want to talk to you about that and pick up off of that and springboard into what I believe God is giving for you in these next days. And uh, I'm excited about the potential of all that God wants to bring forth in these days, in this season. And so, you know, I, I like doing teaching as well. I like question and answer time. But because you limit my time, I won't let you ask questions. All right. So last week, Pastor Michael was talking about the aspect of, he asked a question at the beginning of, of the message. He said, what is it that's worth waiting for? What's worth waiting for? And then he talked about the aspect of learning how to wait on God, wait on the Holy Spirit, and, and the command that was given by Jesus in Acts chapter 1 when he said, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And uh, the aspect of the, the reality of the Holy Spirit and his working in the lives of believers. And uh, Pastor Michael talked about that aspect, the need for, for that infilling, that baptism, but he gave some, some definition of that last week and just the reality of, of learning how to wait on the Lord in prayer. And uh, the fact that he talked about this, he said, you know, prayer is the communion with, with God and it, it puts our dependence on him. So when we don't pray, what we're really saying is that we don't really need him. Or when we don't pray, it's saying, no, I'll be God for myself. Ouch. That hurts a little, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's really true. That, that really is true. Because you see, there's a need for us to have a relationship, communion with with Christ. And so if you've been born again, and uh, there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit, of course, the Holy Spirit comes in when you're born again, but then he continues to bring us to the place of where we sell out. Yes. And that's you know, really the baptism, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is when we sell out, when we give up mm -hmm. and say, all right, have your way in my life all the time. Yes. And, uh, and so... Pastor Michael talked about this as well. He said, baptism in the Holy Spirit is revelation and understanding and not just an experience. Yes. Right? It's, so it's revelation. We get understanding of what he's doing. Understand a revelation is not just something like, like, woo, wow. Revelation is always given to bring you into understanding, not knowledge. See, knowledge can puff up. We can get a lot of knowledge and not do anything with it. But understand this. I say the word understand. Understanding is the aspect of applying 
what we know, applying revelation, applying wisdom. And so, as he talked about the aspect of the Holy Spirit being that revelation, not just an experience, not just, I was filled with Holy Spirit, you know, that's not even evident in the, in the New Testament anywhere. In fact, in Ephesians chapter chapter 4, I believe it's chapter 4, maybe 5, five I, Ephesians 5, something like that, 17, 18, it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit and not drunk with wine. And so the word there, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the, the word be filled is actually in the present continuous aorist tense in the Greek. That doesn't mean anything to many of you, but but what that means is, is that it's a continual infilling. You know why you need to be continually infilled by the Holy Spirit? Because we leak. Yeah. <laughs> we leak. And so we need that continual infilling of the Spirit. He's always wanting to fill us. And, uh, and so out of that... That The purpose isn't just so that you can be filled. It's so that you're empowered to be a witness. Pastor Michael read last week, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, when you are endued by the Holy Spirit, endued with power, you will be witnesses of me. You got to help me a little bit. You know, (laughs) I grew up in Buffalo and I grew up on the ranch. My brother still ranches. You know, I, I'm just a ranch kid. I'm pretty simple, but you got to help me a little, you know. So I'm going to ask several questions, so you're going to need to respond a little bit today, you know. Now, I'm not near as funny as Pastor Michael is. I'll just tell you straight up, I'm just not. But, um, you know, my son's pretty funny. He, he's doing a great job, pastors of church. He took over about, about uh, eight years ago, nine years ago. But uh, I am pretty simple, and so if the Bible says it, that's pretty much how we take it. Okay? Note this, that the Bible always interprets itself. Okay? You don't need to interpret how you think it should be, because the Bible always interprets itself. It'll tell you exactly what it's talking about. That's good news. All right, so today, uh, you know, I'm going to pick up off of that scripture they closed with last week out of Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42. It says this, right? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals together, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. And so I'm going to challenge us today that 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 really is something that is still needed among the body of Christ, that we would devote ourselves to apostolic or biblical teaching. We would devote ourselves to spending time and enjoying the growth that comes by sharpening one another, and that we would spend time sharing not just communion, but meals together, being, being together as family, enjoying what God has joined us together for. And that is to have fellowship and to strengthen one another. And in the midst of that, that prayer is the motor or the engine that drives this thing. Prayer is what drives the body forward because this is what happens, right? Jesus, 
was asked by the disciples, and I'm going to talk about partnering with God in prayer today. And so Jesus was asked by the disciples in Luke chapter uh, 11, I believe, verse 1. He says this, he says, the disciples watched him praying. He is praying, and uh, they saw him pray numerous times, but on this occasion, they saw him praying. He had just come from prayer, and they said, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? And if you remember that passage, Jesus went on and said, all right, pray this way. And he led us in what some call the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, whatever you want to call it. And here, here's the thing. Jesus laid out several demarcations, right? Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. Hallelujah. And then he said this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. All right, so Jesus said, listen, this is one of the things that you need to do. You need to reach into heaven, your kingdom, your will, reach into heaven and bring it to earth. Now, who did he tell that to? Who did he tell it to? The disciples. So now, if we're disciples, if you're a disciple, if you've been born again, you're pursuing Jesus Christ, you would say, yeah, I, I'm a follower of Christ. Then, then you really are qualified as a disciple. And therefore, that word is for you. That you would reach into heaven and pull it to earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be accomplished on the earth as it is in heaven. It's already established there. And now we need to be the ambassadors that establish it here. Amen. And so today I want to talk about this aspect of how do we partner with the Holy Spirit? How do we partner with Him? It's interesting because Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us according to the will and the heart of the Father. Woo! That's good news. Holy Spirit's interceding for us, for you, by name. Glory to God. All right, he's interceding for us according to the will of the Father, the heart of the Father. Okay, well, it goes on in 34 of that same chapter of Romans 8, and it says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So now you've got the Holy Spirit interceding on holding up this arm, right? And Jesus holding up this arm. Amen. And so they are both interceding for us. So it would be a good idea for us to participate or partner with what they're doing, wouldn't you say? All right. And so, so that's where we're going to pick it up today a little bit. So I want you to go, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to it or your phone or however you go there. Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28 and 29. Okay, now I'm, my Bible is in the, uh, is Holman, and we're going to put up the uh, New Living because that's pretty much what Michael uses, and so we're going to try to stay consistent there. But here's, here's what it says. Here's what he says. Jesus said to them, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you... Woo! How many, anybody need a little rest? 
Some of you teachers. <laughs> yeah, come to me. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. And the whole man says, learn of me. Learn about me. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Now, here's the thing. Jesus gives an invitation here. He makes an invitation. He says, listen, come to me. Right? He's interceding, right? For you, for me. Right? He's got one arm up. Holy Spirit's got the other arm up. Ah, Come on. See, sometimes we think we're holding it up. That's like thinking that you don't need God. See, but he's interceding. If you've trusted Christ, even if you're praying for, some of you have loved ones that don't know Jesus yet. Maybe your young people are, are outside of God. Maybe your children are outside of God. But listen, Holy Spirit and Jesus are interceding with you and for you, for them. Amen? Oh, yeah. Some of you are not sure about that. Well, we'll give you some scripture to help you in just a minute here. All right? So here's the deal. Jesus says, hey, listen, come and join in the yoke with me. Now, I don't know how many of you have experience, but most of you would know what like a team of horses is. There's, there's a couple of pictures around here that have, back in the day, have teams. There's a freight wagon right back there on the wall that has four teams of horses that are pulling two wagons. And in that setting, you see, the, there was a yoke. If, if, with the oxen, they would have a yoke, and there would be a pair of oxen pulling the load. When I grew up on the ranch out of Buffalo, my dad continued to use draft horses, even though we had tractors. It was, always felt like a lot more work, but that's, you know, if it was more work, that's what we did. You know, that's just the way it worked. <laughs> and... Um, and, I, you know, I would, I would watch him work those, the, the team, and uh, it was always fascinating. I loved it. As a little boy, I loved it, watching him. But it was interesting to me that, that he would train a young horse with an older horse, and he'd put him in the, in the harness together. And the problem was is that a lot of times the younger horse, because he didn't know exactly how to pull in step, would soar himself. He would get sores. Now, on a team of horses, you have what's called a collar that goes over the, over the head and sits on the shoulders of the horse. There's a collar, and then there's hames that pull in there, and that's what the reins and the tugs are, pull, are attached to. But the collar sits there on the shoulders. And so this horse, this team of horses, are learning how to pull in step. Galatians chapter 5 says that we need to learn. He says, if you live in the Holy Spirit, learn to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Learn to keep in step with him. Well, that's the invitation that Jesus is giving us here. He says, listen, I want you to come and learn of me and come into the yoke with me and let me pull with you. And you learn how to pull with me. See, sometimes we're always asking God to do for us. But he's saying, hey, hey, I want to I train you, teach you how to pull with me, but then how that you can join me in seeing the kingdom of God, the will of God being accomplished on earth yes. as it is already in heaven. Yes. And so this team of horses, here's the thing. 
You know, I, I watched one time, uh, I remember very clearly, I was probably about four years old, and um, I don't know what this horse did, but my, my dad had taken the collar off, and this young horse had, had, you see, you can either pull too fast, or you can pull too slow. And if you don't pull together, you, you get sores on the shoulder of that horse where that collar sits. And their, their sores are about, about like that. And it'll rub the hair right off and cause a little boil up on the skin. And it's kind of like saddle sores are the same kind of thing. But, but this is different because it's on both shoulders. And, and I mean, it, it's very painful. And, and so once the horse is sore, he doesn't pull. He won't step into the harness. And I remember one time, uh, I don't know, this young horse did something. My dad had just taken the collar off and, and he, I don't know what he did. But my dad took his thumb and hit that horse in the shoulder and dropped him like a rock. I mean, he, it hurt him so bad that he couldn't get out of it quick enough and he dropped like somebody shot him. You see, here's the thing. If we don't learn how to pull in step, if we don't learn how to pray, how to come alongside of Jesus, a lot of times we get sore. What I mean by that is we get disappointed because we don't think our prayers were answered. We prayed for something and it didn't happen. Maybe even as a child, you prayed and God didn't answer and so you've kind of given up on God. You don't believe that prayer really works because you got sore, you got, you got pushed away and then what the devil does is come along and anytime you start pressing into God a little bit, he pushes on that sore spot and it backs you up. See, some of us have tried to pray and felt like, well, nothing changed, nothing happened. And so we get backed off of that. Let me just tell you, God's inviting you into the yoke with him. To pray, to really believe him and walk with him in this. And so if I don't hurry up, we'll be here through lunch. So you better hang on. <laughs> so here's the thing. He invites us into a promise or into a partnership, but there's promises with the partnership. And that's good news. Okay? First of all, he said, listen, I am humble. I'm not going to force anything on you. I'm not going to make you do anything. Right? Some of you guys look at me like a cow looks at a new gate. <laughs> listen, he's not going to force you to do anything. You have to choose to humble yourself and come along with him because he says, listen, I'm humble. I'm humble. I'm, I'm not forcing anything. I'm not making anything happen. I'm not going to make you do this. But if you want to come along, we'll step into an adventure where there is life change that is unending. You see, the partnership never ends. And the promise is that I will give you rest. Amen? That's good news. I like that. I like to sleep and I like to eat. I used to say I just don't get enough of either one. Now I just don't get enough sleep. That's, you know, I, I, I eat plenty. But, but here's the thing. So I want to talk about the aspect of partnership. If you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read that. And here we go. So we got four points today. We'll see how many of those we get through. Here we go. This is a letter, verse 1. This letter 
is from Simon Peter, a loving servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious, equally precious as ours. In other words, he's saying, listen, every one of you that are reading this have the opportunity to have the same faith that Peter has. Right? Go ahead and nod your head. Help me here a little bit. (laughs) Have mercy on him, Lord. All right, so here it is. Who has been given a faith of equal, equally precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ? May grace and perfect peace. Woo! I like it. All right. May grace and perfect peace. Now you have to excuse me. I get excited over the Word of God because it's so amazing. Amazing. You you do not know how hard it is for me to read these verses and not stop and talk about it. You, you just have no idea. But I'm going to try to do my best to read them and, and go on. So here's what it says, right? May grace and perfect peace cascade over you. <laughs> Isn't that good? Get under the waterfall of peace. Woo! All right. So here he, he says, may grace, grace, by the way, is the power of God. See, now, Old Testament, it was unmerited favor. God giving you what you don't deserve. That's grace. But New Testament, it is the power of God that is released in you to do the will of God. Grace. It's not this slimy, like, I can do whatever I want to. That's not grace. That's mercy. God not killing you. Grace is the power of God. See? It's, listen, when people say, oh, I just need grace. Most of us don't even know what we're saying. See, it's like start the engine. You know, it's like sitting in that Cadillac and you won't start the engine. I like this car. You know, you heard the story about the old farmer got him a new Cadillac and hooked his horses up to his team and was pulling his Cadillac around. Had, had a team of horses pulling his Cadillac when he had 455 of them under the hood. Didn't know it. All right. Some of you in your Christian life are living like that. (laughs) Like I said, it's hard to go through. Here we go. Grace and, and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in rich knowledge of God. Oh, we'll come back to that. And of Jesus our Lord. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. It's already in you. You say, oh, I just need more faith. No, you don't. You need to let out what's already in you. Romans 12, 3 says, every man has received a measure of faith. Measure means, you know when you do a measuring cup, and you fill it up and then you take that knife of, and scrape the flour or the sugar off the top, right? You fill that baby right up. That's a measure. When it says you have been given a measure of faith, he's not talking about, well, I got a little bit. <laughs> he's talking about that you've been given a measure. You have all the faith you're going to need. It's in you. And that's what he says here. Listen. He's given you everything you need for life to live this life godly 
in Christ Jesus. He goes on. For all of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name. He's called us by name and invited us, here it is, invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, He has given us, or has given you, magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience what? Partnership. Partnership. Say it again. Say it with an attitude. Ah, that's better. I like it. You guys listen well. That's good. Sometimes I have to say that about five times. You know, listen, you're from Wyoming, folks. You've got to have an attitude. You've heard me say that before here. I've, I've told you that before. But here's the thing. See, you've got to have an attitude. Listen. Look at what he says. Listen, he's invited us into a divine partnership with his divine nature. So he's saying, Holy Spirit's interceding. Jesus is interceding. I want you to join in the harness. Come on. Get in here. Get in here and pray with me. Join me. We're going to take the promises that I've made and kick devil tail. I was going to say another word, but I thought better not. (laughs) Anyway, here's what he says. Right? He's invited you into that by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. Now listen, if you're tired of listening to all the corruption and all the crud and stuff that's on the news and stuff that you're dealing with on a daily basis with other people and all the trash, listen, you need to get in the harness. You need to step into the partnership that God invites you into and begin to make a change, a difference in how you are living. Now listen, you're not going to change how you're living right now unless you change what you believe. And the only way you're going to change what you believe is by changing what you're thinking. So what we're hoping to do today in Christ is change your thinking. All right, here we go. So that's the invitation into a partnership. Here's the confirmation. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Now, I, I probably will quote it out of the King James, but many of you have heard it. You know it by heart. All the promises of God are? Yes and amen. Uh-huh. Do you hear that? All the promises of God are? Yes. yes and amen. That's how we quote it. That's not what it says. All right? That's not what it says. So we're going to look at it. Here, here's what it says in the, uh, in the New Living. <coughs> Excuse me. All the promises, all God's promises, have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding... Yes. Woo! Say resounding yes. Come on, that's an attitude. Yes! Woo! All the promises of God are yes! Glory to God. That is awesome. Now he goes on there. Look at what he says. He says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our, say our, our, our amen, say our amen. our amen, our amen, which means yes, 
or also let it be so, let it be done, let it be accomplished, right? Amen. So through Christ, our amen ascends to God for his glory, for his praise. It is God who enables us, who, so much here. (laughs) It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything He has promised us. Everything. But here's the problem. Did you notice that the promises of God are not yes and amen. They are yes in Christ. The promises of God are yes in Christ. But then it goes on and it says, and the amen is spoken through Christ by us for the glory of God. So who speaks the amen? That's not a trick question. Who speaks the amen? Say it louder. We do. One more time. We do. We We speak the amen. We're the ones that say, let that which is in heaven come to earth. Amen. The promise of God that he's made, that's yes in heaven, we call to earth. We say the amen. It's a confirmation. You see, sometimes we we quote this and we think that it's all on God. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Well, no, the promises of God are yes in Christ. But the amen is spoken by us in Christ for the glory of God. You see, so we have to partner with him. God's inviting us to partner with him and say amen to the promises. Let me give you an example. Luke chapter 1. Remember the story of Jesus' conception. And, he, and the angel comes to Mary, remember? The angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And that son is going to be the Messiah. And Mary said, how can this happen? I'm a, I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. I have no relations with a man. And even though she was promised to Joseph. And the Holy Spirit said, or the angel said, Gabriel said to her, said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And you're going to conceive and have this baby. And you're going to name him Jesus. And he's going to save his people from their sins. And do you remember Mary's response? Let it be so. She said, Amen. So here's Gabriel giving her the promise. Right? The promise goes back to Isaiah. There's a promised Messiah. The promise goes back to the Garden of Eden. When he's going to come and crush the head of the enemy. In Genesis chapter 3. You see, so the promise is there. That's God's promise. There's going to be a Messiah. He's going to redeem and rescue people from their sins. He's going to bring them into eternal life, into the kingdom of God. And she heard the promise, knew the promise, and as soon as Gabriel said this is going to happen, she said, Amen. Do you know that she conceived the moment she agreed with the promise? Ooh. Understand, when you agree with the promises of God, 
that he makes in his word, all of a sudden there's an amen, there's a release of something that is supernatural. There's a release comes. Okay? When you speak the amen. So now we've been invited into a partnership. His divine power has given you everything you need to live life and live it godly. And his precious promises have been given so that through them you can step into a divine partnership with his divine nature. 2 Peter 1. But now as we read here in 2 Corinthians 1, it says that in that partnership you and I have the privilege of confirming the promises of God and bringing them from heaven to earth. Amen? Let it be so. Amen? All right. So then we go on, and what is, what's next? Well, then there's the request. There's a request where we make the request. We have the confirmation, but the request is this. Colossians chapter 1. We're staying pretty consistent with the one, first chapter, anyhow. Here it is. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. For this reason, ever since... The day we heard it, we do not cease to pray. Now, why do you think that it was so important that they continued to pray? Because that's how the will of God is being accomplished on earth. Did you hear me? The will of God is being accomplished on earth through your prayers, through your partnership with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. Your prayers are powerful and effective, 1 John 5 says. All right. So, let's jump into it. He goes on, he says, For this reason, ever since we heard heard of you, we do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in your knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, His divine power, for all patience, long-suffering, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, who has qualified us, it's interesting because up above there in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 20, he said he has identified us as his very own, placing his Holy Spirit in us. Now in Colossians, he said he has qualified us to be what? Partakers or partners of the inheritance of the saints in the light, the truth, the evidence that he has delivered us from the powers of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his faith and forgiveness of sins. So here's the thing. He has qualified us to be partners with him, that we would know his will. We would know what his will is. Well, is one of the things it says in First Thessalonians chapter 5 is that we know that his will is to give thanks. Give thanks in all things in the midst of everything that's going on for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. We know that that is the will of God. Now it's important to know what his will is. Well, Jesus when he taught that prayer 
that we call the Lord's Prayer, he is giving us some understanding. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Your will. What is the will of God? Well, the word of God is how we find out. And it comes through praying the word of God, praying according to the promises of God. Sometimes, you know, we say, well, I've been praying this promise for my loved one and nothing's changed. Let me just tell you this quickly. The problem with many of our prayers is that we are focusing on what we're praying about and not on the answer giver. Did you catch that? See, we're praying for something and we focus on the answer that we want to hear. We're focused on the answer we're asking for and not on the God who gives the answer. Here's the thing. You see, it says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope disappointed makes the heart sick. It wounds us. When you've been praying and you're focused on that and it doesn't happen, guess what? You get wounded. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that hope in God is never disappointed. What? I've been disappointed a lot. (laughs) But you see, hope in God is never disappointed. The problem is our hope in an answer or our hope even in a promise or our hope in God doing something for us or in us or through that other person is often disappointed. Because it never comes in our timing, doesn't look like we thought it would. And generally, God's provision in that is sometimes a mystery. And because of that, we're focused on the answer, and so we're disappointed instead of focusing on Him. Now, we pray for that answer, but my hope is not in that answer, it's in the God who gives the answer. See? So here, Colossians, Paul's writing, he says, listen, we don't cease to pray. When we are asking that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will, that he would fill you with the knowledge of his will, what he wants to do in the earth, what he wants to do in your workplace, in your school, what he wants to do among your friends or in your family. What is the will of God concerning what he wants to do? Sometimes, see, it's like, well, we're praying out of our desire for them to know Christ or come to Christ. But see, what is the promise that God's given? And let's get in there and pray that in agreement. Speak the amen of it. Partner with God in it. And we will see an answer that will come. Now, He says, listen, the knowledge of his will, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will so that we can walk worthy and pleasing to the Lord. So let me give you the final point. Here's the thing. Here's the confidence we have. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. Verse 14 says this. 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have before him. Whenever we ask anything, say anything. Anything. Whenever we ask anything according to his will. Uh Uh-huh. 
Whenever we ask anything, that's pretty big. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What do he say? He hears us. Wow. Then he goes on. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know, <coughs> excuse me, we know that we have what we have asked for. Now, I just talked about the fact that many of us have been disappointed. We prayed for things and been disappointed. It didn't come, didn't show up like we thought. Maybe it didn't come for a long time. I remember getting a, a word and it was 22 years later that the answer came. 22 years. Now see, if we're focused on the answer, how many of you know I would have given up a whole lot sooner than 22 years? But because it's like, well, God, that's what your word says, that's what you gave me, all right. And then all of a sudden, guess what? It shows up and it's like 22 years later, it's like, Awesome, look at that. That's exactly what he said way back there. Listen, here's what he says. Listen. If we ask anything according to his we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we <laughs> we know that we we know that we what we ask for. Amen? Why? Because that's his delight. It's his delight to give us what we ask for. It's his delight to give us that. So now I'm going to wrap up with a couple of things. Here's the thing. God wants you to partner with him. He wants you to know what his will is. He wants you to speak the amen and say, let that will, that promise, your plan come to earth right here in this situation, in that person's life, in this circumstance that we're facing. Let your will come to earth right here. Let it come. And if we know that we're praying according to his will, then we know that he hears us. Say it again. He hears us. One more time. He hears, us. he hears us. If we know that we're praying the promise, the word, we know that we're praying according to his will. If we're giving thanks and praise and we are agreeing together with what he has said or done, then we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know what? We know we're going to have it. May not come when you think. May not look like you think. But we know. When Jesus waited four days to come back to Mary and Martha's house after Lazarus had died, did Martha or Mary have any clue about how God was going to answer? No idea. All they knew was, if you'd have been here, our brother would not have died. But Jesus said, this is for the glory of God. Now, 
three of the scriptures we read today are talking about this is for the glory of God. This is for the glory of God. See? 2 Peter chapter 1, this is for the glory of God. First, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is for the glory of God. When you speak the amen in Christ, it is for the glory of God. God gets the glory. He gets the praise out of this. Because people are saying, wow, you prayed and look what God did. Excuse me. So, today, I want to conclude. I'm going to read one more scripture out of, uh, out of John. Now, there's, there's several scriptures that talk about if we ask anything in his name. Let me just say this about that. If we ask anything in his name, that he will give it or he will do it. Throughout the book of John, he talks about it numerous times. But see, sometimes we, we think we, we are a little bit flippant and we'll say, well, I just pray this in the name of Jesus. And we think because we tag the name of Jesus on it, that means that he should be doing it. But understand when he's saying, whatever you ask in my name, he's saying, whatever you ask in my nature. Yes. See, the name is talking about the nature. It's talking about the character. It's talking about the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. His mission is that none perish but that all, say all, that all come to eternal life. That's his mission. Understand, see, so when we pray in the name of Jesus, he wants us to be aligned in partnership, in yoke in agreement, in the amen of that partnership. He wants us to be partnered with him in his nature, his character. I am meek or lowly. I am gentle. <laughs> How are you handling that situation that needs to be confronted? Huh? Got that attitude? Alright, we're going to settle this. I've been praying all day. <laughs> Listen. We come in his nature, his attitude. So I want to read this verse. 1 John 5, 12 and 13 says this. This is the next part of what we read, or the first part before what we read earlier. The one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you that you, to you who believe in the name or the nature of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Listen, people say, well, I hope that I'm ready. No. God wants you to know you're ready. Well, I hope this works. No. God wants you to know that in Christ all things are possible. Well, I pray, but I don't know. Well, no, He wants you to know. So this morning, if you 
have never really given your life to Jesus Christ, never surrendered, today would be a great day to receive Christ as Lord in your life. There will be some people that here at the tables uh, to my right over here that would be glad to pray with you and just to receive Christ. As Pastor Michael talked about last week, perhaps you've just been struggling in your walk with Christ and you just need a fresh impartation in filling the Holy Spirit. Today would be a great day to have somebody pray in agreement with you and just receive the goodness of the Holy Spirit to fill you, encourage you, bless you, undergird you. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is God. He's God. He is Jesus in us. That's what Jesus said. I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And he's going to teach you everything that I taught you. Why? Because that's me. Holy Spirit is me in you. Amen? All right. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful, that you love us, that you are at work in us, that you know the plans that you have for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are gracious to do your work in us and that you have invited us into a partnership, into a partnership where we walk with you and you walk with us, that you empower us to literally see your will, your kingdom come on the earth. Thank you. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love, that you invite us in to your yoke, and that today you are showing yourself powerful. And so, Lord Jesus, we just receive your prompting today in your matchless 